When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And we have a loaded show for you today. We're going to start at the top five-star offensive tackle Jordan Seaton, one of the best remaining uncommitted prospects in all of the country. He's got a decision that comes tomorrow. We'll preview that. We'll also Great the fits. couple names you've heard out there. Willie Fritz to Houston. Kurt Signetti to Indiana. Also, Fran Brown to Syracuse. And then we'll have a couple minutes with our boy Matt Zenitz. He'll break down everything that's happening in the transfer portal and a lot more. But, Drew, I believe apologies are in order this morning for uh, one little thing. What you got? They are, Cooper. Kalen DeBoer. I think it was either on this show or maybe a story we wrote or the college football recruiting show. I brought up the fact that I thought Washington was kind of underachieving on the recruiting trail in the college football playoff, have a potential Heisman winner in Michael Penix. And then you look at that class, ranked 39th. It's like, ugh, they're not capitalizing on all this momentum. I take that back. I've dug into a few of these Washington commits with the early signing period right around the corner. And I like this class, Cooper. Noah Carter, edge rusher out of Arizona, 11 sacks here as a senior, played for a state title, also had 650 yards receiving. We just got him in the All-American Bowl. I think he's a dude, but he's not the only dude there. You got Demarcus Davis, uh, the quarterback commit. We have a high three-star grade on him. Uh, I I think he's got a projectable frame, promising arm, sneaky good runner, late bloomer. I like him a lot. And then finally, my man, Radamama Bubalabo. I think I nailed that pronunciation. (laughs) Cooper, I dug into this guy this morning out of San Diego, led the state of California in sacks as a junior, 23 and a half. I think he could be a power five offensive tackle if he wanted to, could be a member of the class of 2025. He is that young. He's got a relative that's at Washington that'll be in that college football playoff. Bottom line, I apologize to Kalen DeBoer, friend of the podcast. I like this recruiting class, Cooper, and I think they're going to make some noise on the in the transfer portal as well, Washington. Hey, it's uh, Gratitude Day over here at Paramount 24-7 Sports. We're, we're us showing our thanks to Kalen DeBoer and the Washington Huskies. Also, a shout-out to Courtney Morgan over there, another friend of the show, director of player personnel. Just got promoted to GM. Courtney Morgan, congratulations. And like Andrew said, if you're a UW fan and you like what you heard, stick around. Matt Zenitz might have some news for you a little bit later in the show as well. Also, 
If you listen to the Oyster Boys on the podcast, why don't you come over to the dark side on YouTube? You can find us here as well, the Oyster Boys, every Tuesday and Wednesday on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. We'll be there. Drew had a lot of fun yesterday, did our Oyster Boys True Freshman team. You can check that out as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. How about uh, Jordan Seaton, Drew? I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, he is... I would say the most desirable player on the market right now. What are we at? 98, 99% of the top 247 currently committed. And if you're an offensive lineman, we talked about it on the Porta Palooza show on Monday. These guys are in high demand across the country. So enter Jordan Seaton. If you don't know anything about him, the number 30 player in the country, the number two overall tackle. Drew, we are hoping to see him at the All-American Bowl in January in San Antonio. This is a guy, in my opinion, I think he can make another run up the board late. I'm excited to see him in person. The finalists here, Drew, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Colorado, and Tennessee. You talk about some guys that uh, have a little money in the bank and all need some offensive line help. Drew, um, I guess your outlook on Jordan Seaton and then how will potentially tomorrow and uh, the next couple weeks play out when we see him in San Antonio? Well, you said he's the biggest name left on the board, Cooper. He's the only uncommitted five-star. I didn't even realize that until I was getting prepped for a CBS Sports HQ hit. I rode up Jordan Seaton Saturday on a train. Uh, and, man, uh, you said it. Guy that has a chance to rise up the board. He is one of the only offensive tackles in this 2024 cycle that I think could be a left tackle at the game's highest level. And I remember Jordan Seaton when he was a freshman at Washington, D.C., St. John's. He was this big, pudgy kid. You look at him now, has completely reworked the body. We don't have updated measurements on him. I think he's around six foot five, 290 pounds. And you turn on the tape, the first thing that stands out is how he moves. Reactionary athlete, quick feet. Uh, in pass pro, it's a repeatable process. I mean, there's a reason why all these schools are interested in him. Uh, and someone's going to get a guy that I think could be a multi-year corner protector in the SEC, in the Big Ten. He's a guy where you get him on the field. I don't know about year one, but year two, year three, and then hopefully year four, he is that guy, Cooper. I'm hearing some Tennessee buzz. I, I had a random source text me this morning, hey, watch out for Tennessee. You mentioned the the, the price tag and and the premium positions, you say it all the time. Hey, Tennessee is aligned as anyone when it comes to the NIL game. So I'm keeping my eye on the volunteers heading into uh, into Thursday. No no crystal balls, right? I mean, we're a day away, less than 24 done, hours, no crystal balls, right? I mean, right now is probably the time to get out of it. You're hearing a little bit of Tennessee buzz. Somebody asked me in the office this morning what we're hearing. I relayed that, and they said, well, is it a done deal? So what's done today doesn't mean it's done tomorrow, right? So yeah. we'll see what happens with Jordan Seaton tomorrow. Keep an eye on that, 24-7 Sports. We'll have all the information on Jordan Seaton over the next 24 hours. And, uh, Drew, let's go back to the portal. And one name that really kind of sent some shockwaves here, if you've been following the transfer portal, how about Patrick Payton, man, of Florida State, the guy that has emerged opposite of Jared Verse and has become a household name in Florida State's undefeated season this year 
it just kind of a uh, wonky 24 hours that's transpired in Tallahassee, and it seems like Patrick Payton's intentions are to hit the transfer portal. This is a guy that we really like, the number 155 player in 2021 in the top 247, number 15 linebacker out of Miami Northwestern, drew 44 pressures, six sacks. I think the tape's even been better than the production ACC Rookie of the Year in 2022. This goes without saying. This is a huge loss for Florida State. Drew, this one was jaw-dropping. It, it kind of gave me a little bit of shades of Bear Alexander. It's like, what are you doing? And we all know it's the NIL era, and from everything we know, and, and that's important to say, it's speculative at this point, but this had to do with money being uh, a big part of the potential issue in Tallahassee for Patrick Payton. This is a guy, Drew, in my opinion, that I think NFL scouts are kind of drooling over, and for him to go test the waters of the transfer portal, even if he comes back to Florida State, might already raise the red flag a little bit anyway in the evaluation process. I mean, I was texting you about this Tuesday night, and a, a ton of different people reached out to me. I, I didn't even, Pat Payton is not officially in the transfer portal. He tweeted it out, and I didn't even know if it was his real Twitter account. Like, I'm like, is this Patrick Payton? Uh, this is the new age of, of college football, and the guys at Knowles 247 and, and the 247 Sports Network, I mean, they're doing an excellent job of kind of laying out the scene, what is going on with Patrick Payton. You said it was a uh, up and down 24 hours for the Seminoles. It's really been 72 hours ever since you know they found out they were outside of the college football playoff. Look, Patrick Payton is a premium pass rusher, and he's a guy that we snuck into the top 247 late. Um, back in the 2022 cycle, and he has exceeded my expectations. I didn't know how big he'd be able to get in terms of adding weight to the frame. Uh, we saw flashes of it, uh, ACC Rookie of the Year two years ago. Now he's playing opposite of Jared Verse. I mean, it's easy to see why he wants to test the market, but man, talk about you know getting after Florida State when they are down. Mike Norvell and his staff uh, play win an ACC title, find out that they're not going to be in the college football playoff, and then they're out on the road recruiting. So there's not really anyone home, you know, that's having conversations with some of these players. I'm interested to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he ends up sticking with Florida State. But the new age of college football, you got to balance a roster, you know, NIL and all that stuff. I mean, it's easy to see why these coaches are want some some guidelines in place yeah it's a it's a great example of i i would say uh modern college football what you have to deal with if you're mike norbell you think about missing the cfp being a power five team uh, that beat LSU the first game in the season. You've done that two consecutive years. Jordan Travis gets hurt. Later in the season, you beat Louisville. And guess what? You're still out of the CFP. Drew, I mean, for Mike Norvell, um, I, honestly, I think he's making the right decision here. I think you got to dig in and say, listen, this is what we're about. You've had two to three really good years here at Florida State. One more year, you come back and you solidify your draft stock as somebody that could potentially go day one, maybe in the uh, top half of the NFL draft. And yet we have a situation where Patrick Payton, I would assume, has been influenced by the people around him that are telling him, hey, you got to go test the market and you got to get top dollar. Now, we talked about this on Monday. What might be to a short-term disadvantage, and, and I want to be very careful with that word, I have no idea what the dollar figure is that surrounds Patrick Payton in, at Florida State and in Tallahassee, but you're going to give that up in a very stable situation for one more year to make, what, X amount of money more? 
potentially when you have so much riding on your long-term future, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how this in particular situation plays out because we saw this last year with Bear Alexander in Georgia. Georgia didn't want Barry Alexander to lead, but he goes to USC for top dollar. They're one of the worst defenses in all of college football in Los Angeles last year, not to mention they have a new defensive coordinator coming in. So, right, what, what is the balance of short-term and long-term gain here? Hi, Cuba. I saw someone put it, and I wish I could attribute this to him. Hey, don't go logo chasing unless that money is life-changing. And, and I think if you're Florida State and you're Mike Norvell, the situation you also got to think of these figures who knows what's real how do you separate fact from fiction you know one school could be saying hey we're going to pay you this i think if you're florida state you need to take a step back and, and and you know balance the books because as soon as you pay someone a certain figure because they claim they're getting that somewhere else what does that do to the rest of your locker room so yeah one of the more interesting names in the transfer portal that's not a quarterback patrick payton i, I guess in the transfer portal but we don't really know until his name comes across that uh, NCAA database. Devil's advocate, everybody needs a pass rusher, especially in the NFL. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on Patrick Payton and what happens there in Tallahassee. Drew, uh, just a reminder to the audience out there, non-quarterbacks in the transfer portal that we are eyeing. And that means there are a lot of guys in the transfer portal. We've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. We've talked a lot about the offense and defensive line. How about the receivers, Drew? That seems to be the deepest position in the transfer portal. One name that I know stuck out to you and I. How about Cordell Russell from TCU, a guy that was a late riser for us in the top 247 last year out of Texas. We love the number 65 player, number 12 receiver in the class. Basketball background, track and field background, Big, explosive, strong frame. He only played 32 snaps at TCU this season. He had 17 of them against Nickel State. Drew, this was a guy that was arguably one of the best players in attendance at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. Listen, when you start to put the puzzle pieces together, it tells me that there's something missing. There's probably something missing that we are missing in the equation when it comes to Cordell Russell, whether it's off the field, whether it's on the field, Whatever it is, that being said, what we can speak confidently about is the type of physical clay that Cordell Russell possesses. Drew, we haven't heard his name a lot, but I know to you and I, this is a guy that both of us have circled in the transfer portal, and we're going to keep an eye on to see where he ends up. Ajay Hall, how many opportunities and chances did he get? It seems like the same thing with Cordell Russell. On the field, uh, between the lines, whatever you want to cliche use he can play some football cooper what also stands out to me about his name being in there tcu right it played for a national title last season signed a recruiting class that ranked 21st it was a, a a big one for the horn frogs well cordell russell's in you got two other guys from that 2023 class in. they're fighting it right now you know losing some of those 2023 signees something i'm keeping my eye on i'm, I'm tracking which schools are losing the most true freshman, because I think there's either two things, you know, NIL uh, or there's some changes behind the scenes. And just with the whole roster management in and out, you know, I, I don't think you can afford to punt on your freshman class that early. A lot of teams looking for receivers. We mentioned Notre Dame. They already got Chris Mitchell from FIU. Drew, they, they seem to be moving quick. We talked about Braylon James, Rico Flores, uh, a couple other names that have hit the portal for Notre Dame. Notre Dame teamed in team to watch not necessarily for Cordell Russell but a team that's trying to revamp that receiver room Drew how about this staying at receiver how about this kid from Tulane 
Chris Brazzo, huh? <laughs> out, of, out of the state of Texas, the redshirt freshman, the former three-star, a guy that uh, we're going to talk to Matt Zinnitz a little bit later, but he's getting a lot of attention. 44 receptions, 711 yards, five touchdowns this past year for the Green Wave. His dad, six-round pick, 1998 played with the Cowboys and had a cup of coffee in the CFL as well. But, uh, Drew, this was a name that came up mid-season when I was talking to a couple personnel directors uh, in the Power Five, a guy that a lot of people really kind of have their eyes on. We talked about that size-athleticism combination uh, with Cordell Russell. It seems to be the same case here uh, with Brazel, 6'4", 175 pounds. You turn on the tape, Drew. Uh, he doesn't seem like one of the top guys at the position. He seems like one of the top guys in the portal. And it's uh, really not a surprise that he is starting to garner major interest. Cooper, I watch a lot of group of five football. And you know what my favorite thing to do is when I watch group of five games is point out players that are power five talent. I always say, I'm like, that's a power five guy. I was at that Florida Atlantic game. They just showed up there on the screen. I, it was their tailgating with some Tulane people, some FAU people. Chris Braswell, five catches, 107 yards, one touchdown. I said it to everyone that was sitting next to me. I'm like, this kid is going power five. He's the real deal. And going back to his recruitment, Gabe Brooks, our guy in Texas. I remember me and him talking at length about Chris. His dad, like you said, uh, has played in the NFL, so the bloodlines are there. Um, and he can get go get the football. I think him at the at the catch point, the back shoulder, the midair adjustments, uh, you don't see a lot of that. And he is someone that can also take a top off of defense. I've heard the same thing, Cooper. I, I think this kid is going power five. There's a, a, a ton of other names that are, are maybe ranked a little bit higher in the transfer portal right now. But I think if you're a college football fan, get familiar with Chris Braswell coming out of, out of Tulane, like you said. And Willie Fritz, we're going to talk about him here in a little bit headed to Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that staff tried to get him to be a Cougar as well. Yeah, we talked uh, a little bit about the receivers, and we talked about Matt Zinnitz coming on later in the show. Well, that's a name that I think he's going to have a little bit of information on. Drew, one of the other positions uh, that I think kind of flies under the radar a little bit when you get in the transfer portal, you look at last year, guys like Cam McCormick, they end up over at Miami. He ends up having a little bit hotter of a market than you would anticipate. How about tight end? Right. Jake Johnson from Texas A&M. He goes in this morning. Max Johnson's brother, who's now at North Carolina. But I'm going to talk about Holden Stays at Notre Dame and a guy that had a huge breakout performance against NC State earlier this season. After that, pretty quiet. Uh, and a guy that was rated a four star in the number 21 tight end coming out of the class in 2022, originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Drew, I talked about that performance earlier in the year. Uh, this is a guy at 6'4 and a quarter, 240 pounds plus, traditional wide tight end. That is a willing blocker. I don't know if that's the overall strength of his game, but as a pass catcher of, as well, he's shown some flashes. And I think that Notre Dame tight end room has gotten a little crowded for him and it's kind of inched him out. He dealt with some injuries this year, talking to Tom Loy earlier in the day. Drew, this is one of those guys on the market, I think deceptively, uh, is going to be one of those guys that's really going to be selective throughout the entire process and is going to be able to find a really nice home. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you touched a little bit on Notre Dame losing the freshman wide receivers. I know it is a crowded room, like you said, there in South Bend. But, I mean, Holden Stays is a nice like luxury to have. I, I think that's this is a, a, a notable loss for the Irish, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he reemerges, maybe somewhere in the SEC, originally from Georgia, like you noted. I remember that NC State game. Uh, no, Cooper, tight ends. It's easy to overlook them 
but man, if, if they can catch the football, it unlocks a ton of things on offense. To the flip side, we go to the edge, right? We talked about the point of attack. We've talked about the extension of the point of attack with the tight end. Now on the edge, Drew, it's hard to find pass rushers, as we always allude to. How about the Pancake Honcho's brother, Samson Okinlola? <laughs> Samuel Okinlola from Pitt. Drew, this guy, three-star recruit, number 109 defensive lineman in the class of 2022. Also out of the state of Massachusetts, you might know about his brother, five-star offensive tackle down there in Coral Gables, now with Mario Cristobal. Drew's got reported offers, Florida State, Washington, USC, Colorado, Mizzou, and a handful of others in the mix. 260 snaps this past season. He had five sacks as well. Uh, Drew, what do you like about this one? Yeah, he is like half the size as the, the pancake honcho, but he can play. I remember when he committed to Pitt, I thought it was – quite the steal for Charlie Partridge and uh, Okamola actually took official visits during the recruiting process to Georgia and Colorado before he settled on Pitt. Uh, look, if Charlie Partridge wants a defensive lineman, uh, there's a good chance that kid can play. Um, I, you know, and, and you see the offer sheet, not surprising in any way. I mean, this is the reality with the transfer portal. Everyone is looking for edge players and um, he's one of the, really the first premium guys that has, that has entered 14 pressures, five sacks, like you said, this season. Uh, we're going to see him, I think, at a college football playoff contender. Yeah, names like this, they don't hit the portal very often. Another kind of sneaky name out there. How about Charlie Partridge, man? You talk about an Oyster Boys favorite over there up there in Pittsburgh. Does a tremendous job. All right, Drew, we talked about the beef. One of those seldom offensive tackles. There's not many offensive linemen in the portal, especially with a lot of name recognition and experience. How about this one? Ruben Unige. Hope I got that right from Houston. He started uh, 12 games at right tackle for the Cougars this season. He's played over 912 career snaps there as well. Three-star with an 86 overall grade, number 68 tackle. Played with our, uh, our, our, our a name that you might remember, Daniel Falalele, now with the Baltimore Ravens by way of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Drew, I expect a market here. He's already picked up an offer from USC and Lincoln Riley. Yeah, he's. I haven't seen anything written about Ruben anywhere, and I thought you guys might talk about him on the show Monday. But these offensive tackles, especially a guy that's played close to uh, a thousand snaps, I mean, he's on the older side. Originally in the class of, of 2018, committed to Illinois, ended up in junior college, starts at Houston, and he's from IMG Academy. Like you said, I remember seeing this kid a ton when he was coming out, whether it be on the camp circuit or or just practicing for the ascenders, the market is going to be here. I mean, Anai Cornelius, the kid out of Rhode Island last cycle, ends up at Oregon starting games for them, one of PFF's top linemen. Uh, file this one away, especially if your team needs a, a corner protector, because uh, he's a veteran and he's going to be able to give you some minutes. And, and I think everyone is searching for that. So there you go, some of the top names in the portal outside of the quarterback position. I know we always love to talk about the quarterback position, but there's 21 other guys on the field that got to suit up. <laughs> Your team is probably in the market for one of those guys. So if you enjoyed that discussion, guys, 24-7 Sports, the YouTube channel, that is the place to come Tuesday and Wednesday. You know who to find. That's me and Andrew. How about Monday and Thursday? That is a recruiting show. Emily Proud holding it down on Monday. Also Thursday as well, a little bit more slanted towards the transfer portal recently, but that's every Monday, Thursday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Make sure to tune in. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time to grade the fit, Drew, for the new hire is one of my favorite segments. And uh, just a reminder to the audience, this is widely based on recruiting potential and recruiting outlook as well. And uh, Drew, not a lot of household names, but if you listen to the show, y'all, you all know we love Slick Willie Fritz, one of my favorite guys. How about this dude, Drew? 23-4 and four over the last two seasons at Tulane. They win the Cotton Bowl in 2022. The emergence of Michael Pratt, a name that you might know at the quarterback position. He has been a head coach for the last 31 years of his career. He is 62 years young. Willie Fritz, Drew, coming over from Tulane. I don't know about you, Andrew. I gave Willie Fritz an A+. I have been banging the gavel for this dude for a long time. I love him, friend of the pod. We had him on the show. Maybe that got him a little bump. I don't know. But, Drew, in terms of talent identification, evaluation, I think Tulane is one of the more underappreciated, maybe the most underappreciated program in the country. The job that they've done, we've seen Tajay Spears in the NFL, now with the Tennessee Titans. How about Makai Hughes this last year, freshman from Birmingham, a 1,000-yard rusher. We're going to talk about the running back position a little bit later. But, Drew, he earns an A+. The only other A-plus I gave that to was the Danimal. So now you know how I feel about Willie Fritz. Yeah, I gave him an A. And the thing that stands out to me, number one, he drinks, what was it, Natty Light or Miller Light? We Natty on Light, big Natty Light guy. We got to get that, we gotta get that right. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, well, I don't know what the official beverage partner is for the Houston Cougars. So maybe he's going to change his uh, light beer choice. No, he's a, he's a great individual in his recruiting department. I, I admire them. And you know, this past NFL draft cycle, all 32 teams were at Tulane. You brought up the running back, the linebacker that got drafted. What about Michael Pratt? I mean, he's going to be selected. Already got an invitation there for the Senior Bowl. He's also got the slogan, uh, recruit, retain, develop. And if you've kept an eye on Tulane recruiting, I know there's not a ton of people. Uh, but in this space, we have to. Uh, two cycles ago, they lost Gabe Akis late. He flipped to Illinois, freshman All-American. Uh, who else did they lose? Uh, Jalen Lucas. Yep, Jackson Smolik, uh, C.J. Donaldson. Uh, you know, now he's going to the Big 12. I think the ability to hold on to these guys is, is going to be awesome to watch. And I think they're a, a talent identification in a fertile, fertile 
recruiting area like Texas, I mean, watch out in the Big 12. We talked about it recently. These guys have been on the wrong end of the new age of college football, right? We talked about roster, defense. How about that receiver we just talked about that everybody is trying to figure out where he's going? Michael Pratt, we saw that last year. Was he going to enter the transfer portal? It seemed like Florida was kind of tempting him. We'll see even if he ends up in the NFL this year. He's got a senior bowl invite as well. So I think Houston, Drew, now in the Power 5, Willie Fritz, he knows that area well. He's originally from Kansas. He coached at Sam Houston State, Central Missouri too. Blinn College there in the JUCO ranks. That's not nothing, right? It's important to be connected there. I mentioned that. Uh, I think people are going to learn very quickly uh, about the type of personnel mind Willie Fritz is at the University of Houston. And that guy that is running that department, no other than his son, Wes Fritz, who does a tremendous job there uh, too at Tulane, now at Houston. I'm excited uh, to see what Houston can be able to do now with all the resources in the Big 12 and the Power 5 program. And Drew, the other thing I'd like to say, a lot of people from New Orleans that I know that are really sad about Willie Fritz leaving, guess what? That job has never been more desirable than it is now in New Orleans. A lot of really good candidates out there, Joe Sloan, Blake Baker, a couple other names as well that want to throw their name in the hat for that one. So I think Tulane, it's all about leave it better than you found it. He certainly did that. Willie Fritz is a winner. So double A's from the Oyster Boys, Willie Fritz on the board, but we're not done yet, Drew. Your first in-home visit, right? We all know it's a contact period. We're in December. It's the, the craziest time of the year. Who are you going in, in home with first if you're Willie Fritz? Carson Gordon, uh, athlete, quarterback commit for UCLA out of the state of Texas. Tulane staff offered this kid uh, when they were in New Orleans. I, when I think Houston football, I remember when Derek King was there running around, putting up points. I think Carson Gordon, who was on my freaks list, electric triple jump numbers, won a national title uh, in that event. I think he would be fun to watch, someone you could build around. So if I am Willie Fritz, that's one of the first guys I'm going after. And I'm telling him, hey, come be Michael Pratt for me. Super dynamic Super dynamic dude and Carson Gordon there. So uh, excited to see what happens there. UCLA, Chip Kelly, I don't know how much longer that's going to last, that marriage out there. Now in the Big Ten, Drew, for me, I'm going Frankie Arthur, the brother of Adrian Peterson, the all-pro, the soon-to-be Hall of Famer as well at Oak Ridge. He is only 40 minutes away from the University of Houston's campus. This is a guy who rushed for over 1,200 yards as a senior, 17 touchdowns, 9.1 yards per carry as a junior, Drew, I just talked about Tajay Spear, who's having a really solid rookie year with the Tennessee Titans. That was a great find for Tulane back then out of Ponchatoula High School. Homegrown talent. You can't let talent like Frankie Arthur, who's right there in your backyard, and if you're within a one-hour radius, I'm going to say it's your backyard. Gus Malzahn, who's now in your same conference in the Big 12, come into the state of Texas and nab a guy like that. So there you have it, Carson Gordon. Frankie Arthur, we'll see what Houston does. Only a couple weeks to really get that show up and running there, and we'll see what happens uh, with early National Signing Day. Drew, Indiana, Kurt Signetti, 62 years old as well. I mean, hey, these guys in their 60s, man, they're still balling. Kurt Signetti coming over from JMU, 52-9 and from his time at JMU. 119 and 35. He also coached at IUP and Elon before being hired by James Madison in 2019. Frank Signetti Jr. Senior, excuse me, not junior, 
senior. We'll talk about junior in a second. His father, Kurt Signetti's father, he won 199 games as a head coach at West Virginia in IUP. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Frank Signetti Jr., excuse me, a lot of Signettis around here. He's got a long uh, list and a long resume of places that he's been throughout his college coaching career. Drew, you go all the way back, Kurt Signetti, 2007. He was on Nick Saban's initial staff in Tuscaloosa, receiver coach, recruiting coordinator, Julio Jones, Mark Ingram, all those guys. You start to dig in on Kurt Signetti a little bit more. And the other thing about Kurt Signetti, I don't know if you saw it, Drew. He spoke at halftime of the Indiana Hoops game. Guy fires me up. Comes out there, Purdue sucks, Michigan sucks, Ohio State sucks. Hey, man, that's one way to get the people rally behind you. I gave this one a B plus, Drew. I kind of dug in. I think this one is maybe, I don't want to say unconventional, but similar to Willie Fritz. It's a long resume of a guy that's been there, done that. It's not sexy. It's not going to get all the headlines. But if you're at Indiana, I think you got to get a little creative. I don't mind this hire at all. Yeah, I gave it a B. I mean, just looking through the lens of recruiting, and you mentioned him working at Alabama. He's got the Saban dust, primary <laughs> recruiter on Mark Ingram. He can always walk into a uh, recruit's living room and bring that up. Hey, I was a guy that got Mark Ingram uh, to, to play for the Crimson Tide. I think it's an interesting situation just being there in Bloomington. The state of Indiana produces, on average, just four NFL draft picks a year. Uh, you, you know, Is he going to try to get into Ohio? Do you go up into Michigan, uh, down into Tennessee? I don't know, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready, and I think he's got a plan because we saw some of that at James Madison. Uh, D'Angelo Pons, who was on our freshman All-American list, that was a fine for James Madison down in the state of Florida, more specifically South Florida. So I'm here for it. I, I like it. Interested to see how the roster comes into into focus and what the plan is and where they're going to supplement in terms of poaching maybe some skill and perimeter talent. All right, the Oyster Boys, we have a couple ideas. It seems like you and I are a little bit concerned about that quarterback position, but good thing is, Drew, we're on the road this week, right? we got an in-home visit. Who's your first in-home visit with? I'm going with Danny O'Neill, uh, the former Colorado quarterback commit at Indiana, Indianapolis Cathedral. He's an Elite 11 finalist. This guy has won a ton of games on Friday nights. And, you know, the new staff at Indiana, they're already making a move on Alberto Mendoza, quarterback down at Miami Columbus, who was committed to them at James Madison. I like Mendoza. His brother uh, played this past season at Cal, has exceeded expectations. But to me, you know, why go all the way down to South Florida when you can get this kid who is similar in some ways? And I think it, the, it's a type of recruit that the fan base could rally around a little bit, Danny O'Neill. So that's who I would call. I think they got to figure out the quarterback position right away. And I think you agree with me. Yeah, I'm going to go quarterback as well. I'm going to go with Duke quarterback commit Tyler Cherry out of Center Grove in Indiana, another guy in the home state. I think if you're Kurt Signetti, this kind of makes sense, right? Uh, a big signal caller with a lot of redeeming traits and developmental upside. They got to get that quarterback position uh, there right for the Hoosiers. Excuse me, uh, Drew, the number six player in the state of Indiana, number 22 quarterback. This has been a guy that I think a lot of us uh, really kind of behind the scenes have kind of locked in on, been uh, pretty fascinated to see what happens with him with the departure of Mike Elko from Duke. Indiana, Kurt Signetti, you kind of walking in this situation. It's all about taking advantage of opportunities. Sometimes those opportunities fall in your lap. So whether it's Danny O'Neill or whether it's Tyler Cherry, we'll see what happens with Indiana. But a, a B-plus 
And a B for Kurt Signetti, not bad for the Hoosiers. The last one here, Fran Brown, Syracuse, Drew. A little bit of a surprise, 40 years old, uh, 20 years younger than the other guys that we just mentioned. So a little less experience. <laughs> a guy that's worked for Matt Rule at Temple, Baylor, Greg Schiano at Rutgers, if you're not familiar with him. He's got his Ph.D. in coaching defensive backs. This is what this guy does. Played at Western Carolina, also had a cup of coffee with the Cincinnati Bengals. Drew, this one was uh, a fascinating hire for, for me. Um, Fran Brown from Camden, New Jersey. I should mention that as well. 24-7 sports number one recruiter, as you see on that graphic there. Uh, last two years with the Georgia Bulldogs has done a tremendous job with that defensive back room. If you know anything about Fran Brown, followed his work as a defensive back coach going all the way back to his time at Temple with Matt Rule. It's always been about height, weight, speed. It's always been about traits, right? So especially over the last two years, you look at that Georgia defensive back room and especially that corner back room, all those guys check a lot of boxes. So he's already making some waves. He brought Elijah Robinson over, defensive line coach from Texas A&M who had every opportunity to stay at A&M in the SEC as an associate head coach. Matt Zenitz reported that on this show just about a week ago that that was a, a possibility of happening. That does. Uh, Drew... I don't know about the, the coaching chops overall, and I don't know a lot about Fran Brown. I do the position coach. This is a pretty intriguing hire. You bring over Elijah Robinson. You, you've seen some of the names already that have been attached to Syracuse. I'm going to give this one a B, uh, and I like the developmental upside here. I, I typically uh, tag that phrase onto a player, but Fran Brown, like I said, a little less experience, I think, overall, and especially administratively. I think that's the biggest question mark. But in terms of talent acquisition, if you're Syracuse, I don't know how much better you could have done. That's exactly what I had written down. That's why I gave him an A. I don't know if they could have hired someone better in terms of just being a recruiter. And I think Syracuse needs that. They need an influx of talent there. I think Fran Brown has the chance or the potential to lock down the state of New York. Now, there's not a ton of kids that come out of there, but he's from New Jersey. That's where he's rooted. I think he could be a thorn in the side for Greg Schiano and Rutgers. I mean, we'll see how the next few years go, but why couldn't they go head-to-head -head with Penn State and some of those other schools that recruit the region like uh, Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, I, so I'm here for it. And I think the other thing that stands out about Fran Brown is I think he's going to have a ton of success in the transfer portal. I mean, hey, any guy that leaves Georgia, you would think that uh, Syracuse is going to be in the running. And he's a guy that's all about relationships. I mean, listen to anyone that has worked with him or, or covered him. I've interacted with him. I mean, he is good. He is a closer. And uh, I, I think they're going to have some splashes here before this signing period. And I, I think there's a chance that he's going to elevate the floor of that roster with the developmental takes. You mentioned it working for Matt Rule. He understands, uh, look for traits, and I think that's what you needed at Syracuse, someone that is going to take their calculated shots on prospects, and, and sometimes those guys are going to hit big. I talked about Greg Schiano. He worked for him at Rutgers, right? I think those two are going to get even more familiar with each other. And how about this one? Your first in-home visit for Fran Brown, Corey Duff, the number one player in New York. Talk to us, Drew. Yeah, I actually think he's going to visit Syracuse this weekend officially I had someone tell me that uh Arande Gatson that was kind of the playmaker for the Orange over the past few years it's not a clean comp KJ and Arande uh Gadsden, but 
He's a big target that you can line up on the outside and maybe move him around in the backfield a little bit. So for me, KJ Duff, and, and primary, the number one reason is because I can go to my boosters. I, I can go to the collective and say, hey, look, I locked down the number one ranked prospect in the state. It took me just three weeks. So that's a guy I would call. I also think quarterback, you know, that's a position you need to look at, you need to evaluate. And Coop, I, I think you got a name there uh, for Syracuse and Fran Brown. Yeah, how about Ryan Puglisi, right? It's a two-quarterback here at the University of Georgia. Ryan Puglisi uh, out of Avon Farms in Connecticut. And this is a guy, if you're not familiar with, man, he has a rocket for an arm. And, you know, a little bit of the buzz behind the scene. Everybody loves Dylan Riola. There's a lot to like. Obviously, the number two player in the country, and number one quarterback in all the land. But there is a lot of optimism around Ryan Puglisi. And, Drew, we kind of talked about this. We didn't know what was going to happen with Georgia's quarterback room. They're taking two arms. Brock Vandegrift now in the portal. He's already committed to Kentucky. Puglisi would be number four. I'm assuming Gunnar Stockton sticks around. Typically what we see now with these quarterback rooms, that number is pretty much three. Three guys on scholarship. Two gets a little bit dicey. But Puglisi, and if you're Fran Brown, we've already seen this with Fran Brown. He's kind of kicking the tires on a couple guys that have either been committed to Georgia or have shown interest. I think this one makes sense. And you talk about a pathway to the field, right? I think you take that into consideration. Drew, uh, you know, I've, I've glanced Puglisi. I've studied him in the past. You've had more of a purview here recently. What do you think about Puglisi and that potential fit at Syracuse? Well, I know Georgia loves him, right? You talk to anyone in Athens, they, they'll tell you that the gap between him and Dylan Riola isn't that big, but his ability to uh, pick up yardage with his legs. Puglisi has one of the stronger arms in this 2024 cycle. I buzzed a few of his games from this season, and and there are tools there. Now, he needs to improve the overall accuracy, get more consistent. But I think his game's going to translate to Sundays and, and potentially, uh, or excuse me, Saturdays and then potentially even Sundays. I'm a big fan of, of you, but you call him Pugga? Isn't that a nickname for Puglisi? It would make I sense. I think it's worth a call. If, I think it's a worth a call if you're if you're Fran Brown, but. You know, I think some people at UGA might be a little upset if, if he went that route. Exciting times ahead at Syracuse. Also, Indiana and Houston as well. Grading the hires right there. What, an A, a B, a B, the boys. Hey, man, we're with our old age, we're getting a little bit lighter on the grades here. That's okay. Also, hey, how about that? Did, did, did you know National Signing Day? It's only, what, two weeks away, if even, right? December 20th. We talked about the transfer portal palooza. Now we get to marry it up a little bit. You have free agency over here. Now we have the equivalent of the NFL draft, December 20th, 24-7 sports, 24-7 sports YouTube channel. That is the place to be. Andrew and I will be there. We'll be in Fort Lauderdale. We'll be in Nashville as well. Josh Pate, Emily Proud, the rest of the crew. We got you covered right here in 24-7 Sports. But now it's time for some Zenit's Minutes. If you don't know Matt Zenit's, man, I mean, he has made a name for himself over the last week or so. This guy has been absolutely busy. College football reporter out of the state of Florida. We love Matt Zenit's. Matt Zenitz, we're going to start with a little Matt Rule quote as we bring this up. I'm going to read it to you, and I want your reaction. you got to tell me whether or not this is real or not. But we're talking about quarterbacks and how much these guys are getting paid. Matt Rule is out there recently talking about, hey, I think the number for a quarterback right now is anywhere from $1.5 million to $2 million. Uh, Matt Zenitz, you're the dude. You're plugged in. 
is Matt Rule is how is he right? I mean, where where are we at on this? What do you think? Well, the, the, the good thing with quarterbacks at this point is I feel like they're getting smarter and smarter where there's a recognition at this point uh, with those guys, what Cooper Patagna and Andrew Ivins are making. And I, I think they want to be in line with that. So I think that contributes <laughs> to the motivation to be somewhere in that range, first and foremost. The, the thing I will say, I, I know of at least one prominent quarterback who's currently in the portal right now who definitely looking for... Uh, not only that, but maybe even a little bit more than that, like more in the, the few million dollar type range. I, I don't think that he's necessarily alone in terms of looking for at least a couple million dollars. Some of the, the money figures in the last couple of years, I think you would be surprised by that some top tier quarterbacks haven't necessarily been in that kind of range. But at the same time, that's been something that's come up on my end some recently that some of the current free agents are at the very least going to be in the seven figures and some could exceed two million ish dollars if they end up getting what they're looking for which again fortunately for them if they do accomplish that will put them more in line with andrew ivins and, and cooper patagna the main see. motivation they're keeping up with you guys start warming up that arm right now baby the lefty <laughs> i still got it in me um Matt, let's talk about that a little bit. You, you talked about some of these names at the top of the board, and uh, I'll, I'll allude to them. How about Cam Ward, Dylan Gabriel, Will Howard? Those are uh, really the three. You throw in Kyle McCord, who entered on Monday. What's the latest with some of those guys and what you're hearing about potential destinations? Yeah, so D Dylan Gabriel, just to start with him, a expectation is that he'll visit Oregon at some point in the next couple of days. There are a number of different schools, as I'm sure you can imagine, that are interested in Dylan. But I would say that it continues to look the, like the Ducks are in strong position there. Cam Ward, another extremely popular name, obviously. The, the Florida States, Miamis of the world, definitely high on him. There are a number of other programs to, to go along with that. They're very much interested in, in Cam's services. It's just amazing when you look at it, look at this quarterback group as a whole. And I know you you guys and I hey, talked about this even before the portal opened, just the, the expectation that there were going to be some big-time accomplished quarterbacks that ultimately hit the portal. And obviously, we've, we've started to see that more and more during the course of the last week, including in the last couple of days. But to go along with that, you obviously have some talented young guys also, including the the Dante Moores of the world, who are free agents at this point also. And wait, with somebody like Dante specifically, the, the interesting thing with him, when you're, you're looking at someone who was a, a top five overall recruit, I think if I remember correctly, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think we had him as the, the number four overall player in the 23 class. I, a lot of the time with players of that magnitude, you, you have with them an expectation that, that they're going to start right away or want to find a situation where we're going to be day one starter. And something interesting that's continued to come up with Dante is just a willingness to sit for a year, if need be, if he's able to find a really good situation for himself, that there's a true willingness to, to do that, which to me makes the, the organs of the world, Michigan, make even more sense as a potential fit if one of those two situations ends up coming together, even though I know that there there are some other spots like Miami that definitely has some interest in Dante also. So, Matt, just to follow, I want to I be clear on this because, you know, there's been a little bit of buzz out there. I don't think it's common knowledge yet, but I, it seems like there is a relatively, I don't want to say good chance, 
but it, it seems possible Oregon could come away with both Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore secured their short-term and long-term future in the same transfer portal cycle. Is that is that at play right now? There are a few different schools that I think are in the market for multiple portal quarterbacks, one being a, a one-year type guy. And then if the opportunity presents itself to bring in a, a young, talented player as a transfer to go along with that, with Oregon being one of the places that would fall in that kind of category, that I think would be interested just if the, the right combination of, of players ends up lining up. So I could see that making sense with the combination of, of Dylan and Dante if everything comes together, even though they're not the only school that is looking at that kind of scenario in terms of bringing in two guys, a one-year guy, and then a, a younger, talented player as a transfer to go along, to go along with that, depending on what their room looks like. Oh, I've, I've said it. I think uh, Max Brown out of Florida would be a perfect guy to maybe stash on your roster. I think there's some other ones out there, but everyone's focused at the top. But to me, Max Brown, you know, we saw him against Florida State. I, I think there's something there and get him behind a, a veteran. Uh, Matt, pivoting away from the quarterbacks, you know, we've seen the Walter Nolans. We've seen the LT Overton, you know, some of these big names. Is there any under-the-radar non-quarterbacks out there? that have turned into hot commodities that maybe, you know, the common college football fan doesn't know about yet. Yeah. Well, what, what I'm going to touch on is a quarterback. So not, not to uh, <laughs> go away from what you were talking about, but I'll start with one, just to piggyback on what you guys were talking about with Chris Brazel. So you guys nailed it. Like Chris Brazel, I, I don't know how big of a name he is nationally by any means, but it's a six, five sophomore receiver from Tulane that going to end up at a high-level Power 5 place. And there have been some schools like Washington, for example, and they're not alone at the Power 5 level that has some definite interest in him. A 6'5 kid who put up 700 yards for them this year that is garnering, as I'm sure you can imagine, some big-time interest through the the early part of his time in the portal. And an under-the-radar quarterback that I would throw out who just has – gotten overshadowed a little bit because of all of the talented guys that we've seen go in at that position is Daquan Finn at, at, at Toledo. So it is the the Mac player of the year has been something like a four-year starter at Toledo. That There are, I, I was going to say multiple, that there are a, a number of Power 5 schools that very much have him on the radar as a person of interest right now, including like the Wisconsins of, of the world, and would very much expect him to not only end up at a power five place, but to, to be a guy who comes in and has a chance to, to make an impact as a starter for a power five program. Matt, going uh, a, a little bit off the reservation here, what was the market like for uh, Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Shuck? You know, North Carolina was mentioned, a couple other schools as well. He ends up at Louisville. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, North Carolina was – Actually, before everything came together with Max Johnson, it was in line to bring in Tyler for a visit there. And that, that seemed like a decent potential fit for both sides. And ultimately, Max Johnson goes in the portal and North Carolina decides to, to move forward with, with Max. But then there, there were a couple other schools at the Power Five level that were trying to get in on Tyler to go along with that. One was UCF, visited UCF this past weekend. And then the, the Louisville deal came together to, to where it was very clear that they had interest in him. And obviously they did some great things this year in year one under Jeff Brom, including from an offensive standpoint. And Tyler gives them someone now who, even though he has battled injuries these last few years, 
He's a, a former starter at combination of Oregon and Texas Tech. I, I know going into to last year that jo- Joey McGuire was harping big time with me that felt like Tyler was one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the Big 12, viewed him as a, a next-level type kid. I, I think Joey and the combination of people over there at Texas Tech still believe that right now. And he heads into a situation at, at Louisville where um going to have some talent around him and have a chance based on what they did this year to potentially win a lot of games next season. Matt, you've been crushing it, not only in the uh, transfer portal, but also in the world of coaching searches, coordinator searches. Uh, Mike Elko, Texas A&M with a big one this morning. He gets Kansas City offensive coordinator or Kansas State, not Kansas City. I can't believe I just said that. Colin Klein, (laughs) uh, who James Franklin apparently was was interested in. How did Elko get this one done? Yeah, so Colin's an interesting one because there have been multiple big-time schools that have tried to hire him the, the last couple of years, Notre Dame being one of the, the main ones, where last year, around this time, it seemed like it was trending towards Colin ended up being the being the, the guy as the, the OC hire for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. And ultimately, Colin d- decided late in that process to ultimately stay put at Kansas State. There have been other schools like Penn State that have had him on the radar as a person of interest. But Texas A&M and Mike Elko found a way to get this done, and it's a, a, a significant addition for, for them. Colin, I'm sure people remember well just from his time as a player at Kansas State and being a Heisman finalist guy there, but has established, established himself more and more these last couple of years as a true rising star figure in the coaching world. If I remember the, the numbers correctly, led the way as Kansas State ranked number two in the Big 12 in scoring this season. It's a significant addition for Texas A&M. Matt, speaking of Mike Elko, you know, we talked about Willie Fritz leaving it better than you left it, right? He did that at Tulane. I think Mike Elko, even in two years, did that at Duke. It seems like Duke has really has uh, a lot more interest than a lot of people maybe think uh, from a public perception standpoint. What's the latest with that head coaching search? Yeah, so they, they, I I believe, were interviewing candidates in Vegas at – I'm forgetting what event it was – maybe National Football Foundation deal that they were having out there. Either either way, they were talking to candidates out in Vegas in in recent days. One one of the the names that has continued to come up on my end in terms of the the Duke job is at the very least being on the radar is Manny Diaz. There have been other names that have come up as people of interest, whether it's been John Sumrall at Troy – has been in the mix for a couple of things already. That this cycle, Jim Knowles has some ties there. Has done a great job as the the DC as Ohio State. Uh, there, there's been a few of the names coming up on my end, even though by no means am I saying 100% that it, that any of those three are getting the job at this point. I just know that there's been a few of the the names coming up on on my end consistently. Matt Zenitz, you are the man. Thank you for stopping the stopping by, chatting with the boys. And uh, Zenitz Cave, back home in Florida, looks good, my man. Love it. <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate That's that. Appreciate uh, Andrew, a lot to unpack there. Uh, Zenitz coming in and uh, dropping a lot of nuggies on us. I want to start at the top. My reaction would be, and I asked this question, and I try to get Zenitz maybe a little bit out of his comfort zone a little bit to see if he would give me an answer. If Oregon pulls off Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore in the same cycle, your reaction to that would be what? What's the bankroll? I mean, you're a huge Dan Lanning guy. I'm a huge Dan Lanning guy. We keep mentioning 
what they're doing at the point of attack and the defensive line class and, and the offensive line class, the move to the Big Ten. And I think we're confident in the talent acquisition at those positions. And the big question for us, what is going to happen at quarterback? Yeah, Michael Van Buren was committed. He decommits. I don't think we're the, we're the biggest fans of him. They also got Luke Moga in the boat. Uh, Austin Novosad there. But, man, you add those two, uh, I, there is no questions about, you know, what is the biggest weakness for Oregon. I think right now it's quarterback. But, man, if they can stack those two on on top of each other. We haven't seen – has anyone done that before? Is that I, – I don't think so. It might, it might have been done uh, theoretically. But in terms of that nature of those two high-level quarterbacks, you got Gabriel who started 49 games and you got another guy – who's also started some games and a top-five player, as Zenitz has alluded to. I mean, no, I, I don't think anybody has layered their long-term in their short-term vision in one cycle like that at that position. It'd be like that photo from Alabama when Tua is standing next to Jalen Hurts, who's standing next to Mac Jones, right? Well, think about that. I mean, if you go from Bo Nix to Dylan Gabriel to Dante Moore, that's exactly the type of situation that you want. We also mentioned the fact that we love – what Dan Lanning is doing, not only through high school, but the transfer portal as well. And if he was able to pull this one off, that is obviously uh, going to steal some headlines and some attention over the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens there. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on Michigan as well. Drew, the other one uh, that I want to talk about, you know, this guy has become a little bit of a darling over the last hour for us, but uh, our guy Brazel out of Tulane, right? in Washington you think about that, Will Rogers has been connected, the Mississippi State quarterback, a guy that I think would make a lot of sense after Michael Penix Jr. You bring in a receiver like this. Roma Dunze uh, is out of there, right? Uh, potential first-round draft choice. We'll see what happens with Jalen McMillan. Jalen Polk, another guy that they had a lot of success with coming over from Texas Tech. We'll see what happens with him. But, Drew, how about Washington? If they were able to get this one done, that would be huge. Yeah, and specifically with Brazel, I, I remember – talking with Gabe Brooks when we threw that high three-star grade on him. And now we're going to kick ourselves for not making him a four-star prospect. And I'm just going to, you know, warn the masses right now. If you see more group of five commits ranked higher than ever, uh, it's because I, I think we're not going to be as gun-shy in the past with this this transfer portal movement. Cooper, you talked about it on our rankings call yesterday. Hey, if we if we feel a certain way about this guy, we're just, we're just going to stamp him. And I, I think you're going to see more of that, but – yeah, he ends up at Washington. I mean, I'm not saying he's a Rome and um, Dunze, but I think he could play a similar role out there in Seattle. There's only one Roma Dunze, my friend. Uh, last one for you, Drew. Manny Diaz, that's your dude. You have long been a fan of Manny Diaz. What do you think about that potential fit if he ends up being the guy at Duke? I I, I like it. I, I, I'm surprised they haven't made a, a hire yet. And, you know, Manny Diaz, his name also – Came up at Middle Tennessee State. They hired Derek Mason last night, and, and Football Scoop had reported that Diaz was also in, involved there. We know he was involved at Florida Atlantic last year. Look, this guy wants to get back into the coaching game. And, um, you know, in the ACC, I can just see him <laughs> causing plenty of issues for Miami in, in kind of years to come. Manny Diaz, John Summerall, uh, Jim Knowles, defense coordinator at Ohio State. Seems like they have a type. Mike Elko, also defense coordinator at A&M, Notre Dame, before he came over to Duke. So we'll keep an eye on what happens to Duke. Matt Zenitz, man, unloaded the clip for us. Love that. Guys, thank you for watching the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. And if you're still on, like my man Curveball said yesterday in the chat, come on, guys, get the likes up. Smash the subscribe button for us, please. <laughs>
Guys, we hope you have a great rest of your week. Make sure to come back next week for Andrew Ivins. I'm Cooper Patagna. See you next time. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.